1: The biggest games of the football season are coming, and Bet Rivers is introducing new parlay features just in time for the playoff push. For your next bet, try a new multi game parlay and combine bets across games to make your perfect combo. Combine player props, game bets, and even different same game parlays into one multi game parlay. Make your parlay today at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com to place your bet.
0: This is the Pittsburgh
2: CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. You know, this it's special. I mean, anytime you can come to this place and get a win, people always ask me where's my least favorite place to play, and it's always Baltimore, and it's for a couple reasons. One, because of how good the team usually is in the defense. Um, this place is always crazy loud, and the fans are ruthless, which I think is a, it's a compliment you know, to this place and how hard it is to play here. So uh, it's pretty special to get the win.
1: You know, I woke up today... And I was on DVE radio doing my usual early Monday morning hit to wrap up the Steelers game. And Randy Bauman, who hosts the DVE morning show with Bill Crawford and Mike Pursuta, started off by asking me a question about the Steelers game against the Ravens. And my first thought was, my God, after everything that happened in the Chargers-Raiders game Sunday night, I could barely remember what happened to Raven Steelers. I felt like it happened a month ago. Tim Benz here. Glad you're with us to the Pittsburgh CityCast recap what happened yesterday. And boy, was there a lot. We'll get to Mark Madden and the Madden Monday podcast in just a little bit. But we'll start off with some instant microwave reaction to what happened overnight into the early morning with the West Coast game on Sunday Night Football. And now that dovetailed with the Steelers getting into the playoffs as a result of their win over the Baltimore Ravens. I told you I liked the Steelers with the points. I told you I liked the Steelers straight. That is exactly what happened. The over didn't hit. The under came in, which is kind of why I said stay away from it. That was a real iffy proposition, especially with Deontay Johnson being in, then Deontay Johnson being out, and then Deontay Johnson being back. So hopefully you stayed away from the total and just went with the Steelers. Like we talked about, I did not have the Jaguars beating the Colts. I don't know who had the Jaguars beating the Colts. I also had it being a field goal game when it came down to the Sunday night game. I knew that was going to be the case the whole time. I had a hunch it would go to overtime. I didn't know if it would come down to a tie or not, which the Steelers were desperately trying to avoid. That would have been the only way to keep them out of the playoffs. It didn't matter if the Raiders won. didn't matter if the Chargers won. It just mattered that somebody won and someone almost didn't. Thank God for what Brandon Staley did calling that timeout. And thank God the Raiders changed their minds. Uh, We will get to all of that in just a second. But like I mentioned, let's start off with the Steelers and the Jags and what happened early. And boy, isn't it weird that of all the permutations that went down on Sunday, the Steelers-Ravens game, the Jaguars-Colts game, the AFC West game between the Chargers and the Raiders, that the easiest thing to come through for the Steelers was the Jags, not just winning, but blowing out the Colts. It was 26-3, to it felt like, for most of the game, a late garbage touchdown for Indy to make it cosmetically closer than what it was. But that was all Jags from the get-go. Duvall, hashtag we are all Jags, that came through for the Steelers, came through for Pittsburgh. And if there are any leftover clown outfits, maybe they could be sent to Brandon Staley's office, John Harbaugh's office, and Frank Reich's office as well. But the Steelers, they got their portion of the job done, even though it wasn't pretty. The Jaguars were the real heroes. 14 and a half point underdogs at kickoff, like I said. They're a shame fans donning clown outfits during the clown out for the game. But Jacksonville just torched the Colts. Trevor Lawrence, 23-32 for 223 and two touchdowns. The defense also limited Jonathan Taylor to 15 carries and 77 yards. All that's going on while the offenses of the Steelers and Ravens are taking turns screwing things up. And I do mean it that way. This was not a typical Steelers Ravens knockdown drag out defensive star slugfest. This is more about two offenses that aren't very good as opposed to two star-studded defenses like we saw in the late 90s, the mid 2000s for much of this decade as well. Let's not confuse the two. So many of those score suppressed games that we saw between the Ravens and Steelers were the result of great defensive play. This wasn't great defensive play. In fact, at times for the Steelers' rush defense, it was awful defensive play, but the quarterbacking wasn't good. Largely, the skill position players weren't very good. There were drops. There were poor play designs. There were poor play calls, and the Steelers just managed to outlast the Ravens in the end by putting some good passing offense together despite the brutal conditions later on in the course of the game, just enough to get the victory. Like Ben Roethlisberger, for instance, an interception, 8 of 16, 66 yards in the first half, a passer rating of 37.1. Without the threat of a run game because Najee Harris was hurt, the Ravens dared the Steelers to pass, and Roethlisberger couldn't. Keep in mind, that was against a Baltimore defense that was the worst in football against the pass entering the game. But in the fourth quarter, Roethlisberger led a touchdown drive. He led the winning field goal drive in overtime. Big Ben finished 30 of 44 with 244 yards and a touchdown and a rating of 80.1. So quite the turnaround from halftime on. Certainly not a box score that will be read at his Hall of Fame induction, but it was a fourth quarter and overtime that should be referenced during his speech. Through three quarters, Roethlisberger... Was 11 of 19 for 95 yards, 19 of 25 for 149 yards and a touchdown in the fourth quarter and in overtime. Also got to credit some guys who bounced back in this game for the Steelers. Harris came back in the second half after that elbow injury during the opening series. He was wearing a wrap around his elbow and gutted out the rest of the game. He looked tentative at first but had a stellar 15-yard run around the left edge in overtime to set up that Chris Boswell game-deciding field goal. Don't forget the one handy catch that he made in overtime as well. That saved what could have been a pick six. Ray-Ray McLeod failed to hold on to a potential first down conversion on a second down throw in overtime, but he caught a crucial 10-yard pass in a fourth and eight later in that possession before Harris's run. And rookie tight end Pat Friermuth angered Coach Mike Tomlin when he didn't come up with a catch and run, the necessary yardage on a final third down play of regulation, but he also made a critical 14-yard catch and run in overtime. I hated the play to Fryermuth. We'll get to that in a second. I know he didn't finish the playoff, but we'll talk about why that's part of a greater sickness in just a little bit. We also got to give credit where it's due. We'll get to some defensive faults of the Steelers in a minute, but credit the Steelers for three takeaways that they got, especially Cameron Sutton's interception in the end zone on the first play of the fourth quarter. That was just Sutton's second interception of the season. The Steelers were also good defensively when it came to third down and fourth downs. In those possession situations, the Steelers' defense was successful 12 times in 16 tries. Now, how did the offense do on possession downs? Well, that's why I said we get to some negatives too. Not just for the defense, but for the Steelers' offense as well. Baltimore quarterback Tyler Huntley threw that second half interception in the end zone to Sutton. The ensuing drive resulted in a punt. The Steelers were also gifted two turnovers and a failed fake punt in the first half. Those plays resulted in exactly three points for Pittsburgh. The Ravens were anemic offensively, just like the Steelers were. Whatever mishaps they had could have spelled doom much earlier against a real NFL offense, but they were playing the Steelers, so no big deal. The three drives after those turnovers from Baltimore gained 29 yards, 11 yards, and 1 yard, and they resulted in just one Chris Boswell field goal. Three points off of three turnovers and a failed fake punt is a joke. And their third down debacles weren't much better. The Steelers began the game one of eight on third down conversions. Some notable failed attempts included Benny Snell getting stuffed on third and one on the team's first possession in the third quarter. Their initial third down attempt of the game was a typical short of the sticks completion that came up short of the yard line to gain. They needed eight. Harris only got four, and he was injured on the play. On the next drive, same thing, Deontay Johnson caught a short pass and ran within a yard of the marker and got drilled a yard short. He was also dinged up but was able to return. And then there was the Friar with third and four completion at the end of regulation, which only resulted in three yards. And yeah, he should have finished off the run, but because that's one of so very many plays where the Steelers constantly throw short of the chains and come up short of the yard to gain, it's hard for me to look at that one isolated incident and just put that on Fryermouth because the defense knows what's coming all the time when they're on third down. It's so frustrating. And then the rush defense was pathetic early in the second half, proving why it earned its way to the bottom of the NFL rankings. Once the Ravens dedicated the offense to handoffs for Latavius Murray, the game flipped from an... Ugly slugfest to Baltimore, ripping through the Steelers on the ground. Murray looked like Eric Dickerson, churning up yards, 150 yards of him, actually in 16 carries for an average of 9.4 yards per attempt. That included a 46-yard touchdown jaunt, the longest of the season for a Ravens running back. As a team, the Ravens finished with 249 yards on the ground, the fourth team to exceed 200 yards rushing against the Steelers this year. Now the Steelers have to visit the Kansas City Chiefs, The Steelers lost at Arrowhead 36-10 on December the 26th. That was a game that resulted in a lot more complaints than praise. This one against the Ravens, they came out on top. They stayed alive for the playoffs. They got the help they needed. That's better than what I thought this team would do. I said 8-8-1 at the start of the season. I almost walked away with 8-7-2 when this one got to overtime. I didn't see that coming. And frankly, I didn't see them getting to the playoffs either. I thought they'd be the last team out. They were the last team in, so kudos to them for getting over that threshold. I'd rather see them in than out, but boy, were they close to being out even after getting help from the Jaguars. I mean, the least desirable result, the kind of result that would have kept you angered the entire offseason was Jaguars shock the Colts, Steelers lose anyway which is what it was looking like for a long time. The Steelers made their comeback and got the win. And then once they got that, it looked like they were getting a slap in the face that they didn't deserve, which was a tie cooked up by the National Football League. A tie that could have been avoided by not having this game in the night window. In fact, just don't have a night window. Do what baseball does. Have everybody play at three and at six Like, baseball, everybody plays at three. That way you get all the time zones in. Everybody starts at the same time. The integrity of play is not at all shrouded by teams manipulating their lineup or not trying or maybe even trying to tank so somebody else gets in and a rival falls out. Any reason you want to put on it can be avoided for the National Football League if you simply start one conference at 3 o'clock, start the other conference at 6 o'clock, split the windows between the networks, and then you don't run into a situation like last night where two teams might play for a tie. And when we talked about that all week long, it wasn't about necessarily, well, gee, they're going to come out and run the ball into the line of scrimmage for 70 minutes. I mean, we talked about that somewhat jokingly, but the real thing that came into play is what you saw at the end of the game last night, which was when it came to, Walnut crunch in time. Do they play for the tie or play for the win? And thankfully, for most of the game, these two teams played for the win. I credit them for that. And I'm kind of mad at the National Football League for putting them in a position where maybe at the end, Brandon Staley and the Chargers, and to a degree, if they had had their kick blocked and returned the other way, the Raiders were playing so much for the integrity of the game that they might have sacrificed what was in their best interest, which was simply playing for a tie when a tie was out there on a platter to take. You know, they wouldn't have run into the line for 70 minutes, but they could have run in the line for 10 in overtime. You know, and again, I credit them for playing overtime earnestly. Good job by those teams. But I think there's so much outside pressure for them to do so, they did it at the expense of maybe doing what was smart for them. It just worked out better for the Raiders than it did for the Chargers. And to get to Brandon Staley's decision at the end of the game, he called a timeout. I think perhaps either A, being so paranoid about what the Raiders might do that he outthought himself and sort of allowed them to think a little bit longer during the timeout and say, hey, you know what, if we kick this field goal, we don't have to go to Arrowhead and the Steelers do. So you know what, let's do that. Let's take a legit shot at trying to get 10 more yards and then kick the field goal, so they did it. Staley calling that timeout that he called with 38 seconds left allowed the Raiders to talk themselves into that option. I don't think they would have otherwise. And people are defending Staley, and this is... Not surprising because anything that Staley does, the analytics people come out of the woodwork and they just blindly get his back at all times and for all reasons. This isn't really a discussion about analytics, but they're so used to defending him because they like what he does coaching-wise because he coaches not by the book but by their book. So you know what? He's the great god of 3 by 5 note cards, so we're going to defend him on this one. His defense was, well, take a listen. I'll play it for you. Yeah, we needed to get into the right grouping. We felt like they were going to run the ball, so we wanted to get our best 11 personnel run defense in, um, make that substitution so that we could you know, get a play where we would deepen the field goal. I don't think it changed their mindset because they were going to run the ball on the play before, and then they ran the ball the very next play. So we wanted to make sure that we got our run defense in there, um, and we, you know, we obviously didn't execute well enough, but we wanted to get our premium one-back run defense in here. See, here's the thing. He called the timeout with five seconds left to go on the play clock. Like, did he really need that long to realize that the Raiders were coming out in a one-back set with Josh Jacobs? I mean, you probably could have guessed that was going to be the case. If it wasn't going to be the case, you could have figured it out earlier than that. So did he need to call the timeout to get his personnel grouping in there? I mean... If you wanted your best rush defense out there, what was the rush defense that was out there the two previous plays? The second and third best rush defense that you had? You're the Chargers. You don't have a very good rush defense as it is. So you needed like you needed 30 to 35 seconds to get the proper rush defense out there? Like, the guy must be so bogged down in the numbers that when you get that granular and get down to that level of minutia, when you got to make fast decisions, he's in molasses. And I don't even know if I buy that explanation. That sounds like, you know, super ultra coach speak to me, which was one of those explanations, well, I'll just put that out there and then people can't really appreciate the nuance of it. And that shields the discussion from, did I do the right thing clock management-wise to call the timeout when I did, which I do not think that he did. Because I think if he doesn't call that timeout, as Derek Carr intimated, they probably don't decide to go for the field goal and take a legit shot at gaining 10 yards. Maybe they take a knee, or maybe they just run it into the line and let time elapse and take the tie, and they both go happily into the playoffs.
2: You guys are still tied. You're driving. This thing could have ended
1: in the tie. Chargers call a timeout. How did that shift the strategy?
2: Yeah, it definitely did, obviously. Uh, but we, we we knew no matter what, we didn't want to tie. We wanted to win the football game. Obviously... If you tie her in, and all, I think all those things. But my mindset all day, I even was texting with Aaron Rodgers this morning. Uh, this morning, yeah, my mindset was to make sure that we were the only team moving on after this.
1: Now the Raiders get Cincinnati, which is no easy task. I still like the Bengals in that one, but they don't have to go to Kansas City, and the Steelers have to go back after they got smushed there the day after Christmas. All right, we'll talk about all these machinations and more with Mark Madden from 105.9 The X and Trib Live. We are brought to you by Rivers, Bet Rivers Casino. Rivers Casino on the North Shore here in Pittsburgh or go to betrivers.com, download the app. Steelers already 12.5-point underdogs. The Chiefs, that's not enough. Chiefs will cover. We'll talk about it more with Mark next
0: bet rivers sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets that's why players love the same game parlays at bet rivers same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for combine two bets or combine many you pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold bet on same game parlays at BetRivers.com or download the bet rivers app presented by rivers casino pittsburgh must be 21 gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER
1: It is a Madden Monday podcast being recorded very early on Monday morning, like after midnight Eastern time, following the strangest events in football that I've seen in quite some time. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go online to BetRivers.com, where you can bet on the Steelers and the Chiefs in the playoffs officially now because somehow, by the skin of their teeth, the Steelers got in not only in overtime with the win themselves against the Ravens, but The Chargers and Raiders, to the death, barely avoid a tie. Mark Madden from 105.9 The X, and of course, Trib Live, where you can read him with me. Mark, I never would have thought that coming into this Sunday, between the Jags winning, the Steelers winning, and a tie being avoided, that the biggest lock on the board in the fourth quarter would be the Jags in a blowout.
2: I think the Raiders did themselves a grave disservice by kicking to win the game at the death of overtime. There was no reason to do that. No good reason. You could get that kick blocked. It could come back the other way. If you take a knee, you make the playoffs for sure. But if they take a knee, I suppose all hell breaks loose. It would not be good for appearances. But the Steelers got lucky so many times all day Sunday. It beggars belief.
1: I know in listening to Mike Tomlin on his pregame show on DVE, he poo-pooed the idea of a tie coming into play like like it was nothing, like it was not even a possibility. He was even asked from the standpoint. Like, like, like they didn't tie Detroit. <laughs> yeah. And he was asked, Bob Labriola did a good job asking the question, Mark. He kind of asked it from the standpoint of you being on the competition committee, what could the NFL perhaps do to avoid these kind of sticky situations, and he Just blew it off. I think that was whistling past the graveyard, perhaps in the back of his head, knowing it was a distinct possibility.
2: No, I just think he's a dolt who just didn't even consider the possibility of what happened tonight between the Raiders and Chargers. Tonight was an argument for what they do in the English Premier League on the final day of the season. They start all the games on the same day at the same time. And that's what the NFL should
1: absolutely do. That's what I wrote in the paper this week, Mark. Of all the things that baseball does wrong, they do that right. Every game starts at 3 o'clock. It could be easily done in football, too. You put the AFC games on at 3 o'clock. You put the NFC games on at 6 o'clock. You have the network share the windows. Problem solved. And if you really have to get a game on Saturday or
2: two games on Saturday, you flex the schedule and make those meaningless games. Games that don't matter get played Saturday.
1: Precisely. And, you know, the NFL could have avoided this by putting Rams Niners in. Like, it was their bloodthirst to get a great game. And you know what? It worked, and I'm sure they're happy about it. I'm sure ratings are going to be through the roof tomorrow. They got everything they wanted out of it, but they also would have deserved every bit of criticism they got as a result of it if it wound up in a tie. Well, I don't think you can really
2: criticize them if it ends up in a tie. Oh, no, no, I, mean, no I, I don't
1: mean that from the standpoint of how the teams played. I think the teams played it straight. I mean from their decision to flex this game. I mean it took 15 minutes for somebody to tweet out, hey, what if that game ends in a tie? It's like they had to know this was a possibility. Well, there were so many twists and turns on the way to what would have been a
2: tie, except for the last second field goal in overtime, that you couldn't have said they worked it. No. But but i, I got to tell you, I still say the Raiders should have taken a knee at the end. The goal is to make the playoffs, not to cling to some standard of competing for 60, or in this case, 70 minutes. But, uh, hey, thank God for the sake of the Steelers. I will say, if I would have been a guy on the Chargers defense, I would have been saying to Derek Carr, take a knee. No need to kick this. Tell your coach, take a knee.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there were some conversations going on. In fact, Mark, I'm pretty sure I saw At one point after they handed the ball to Jacobs uh, prior to his first down run, they had a shot of Eckler talking to a coach on the Chargers sideline and they mouthed at the same time, they're just running it out. And I thought they were at that time too. A friend of mine who works in wrestling called me up after the second field
2: goal in overtime when it was still tied and he said, okay, now you do work a tie. This is when you can do it. You couldn't do it the rest of the night, but when you're tied – That deep into overtime, that's when you just, you know, take the clock down.
1: That's another reason why I'm critical of the NFL for what they did here. They put those teams in a tough position to do that. Oh, no question. But, you know, I I give the Raiders credit, but they were also stupid. The other thing that shines through on this is they put a guy in Brandon Staley in this position where he made at least two calls where normally he would be more aggressive because that's what he's done all year. He would have gone for two if all the games started at the same time when he decided to kick the extra point, because that's what he does. And then there was the uh, decision to go for the field goal in overtime. I bet he goes for it on that fourth down, too. Why not? They made six of them, for crying out loud.
2: Yeah, it it was incredible. The uh, Jacksonville result was incredible. The Steelers game was incredible. What a day of football for reasons that largely had nothing to do with football.
1: There was some football in the fourth quarter in overtime from Ben Roethlisberger. We probably should get to the Steelers at some point in this conversation after all that, but Roethlisberger and the Steelers advance. Uh, His fourth quarter and OT numbers were very good. The rest of the game was not for Ben, but they got the job done in ugly fashion. Now they set themselves up for a return trip to Arrowhead, and I don't see that going any different from what we saw the first time.
2: No, it was just a stay of execution, and they get a worse draft pick now. And Ben probably goes up uh, metaphorically on his own shield, if not literally on a stretcher. I mean, I, I just don't see how this game goes good for the Steelers, which means making it did the Steelers no good. But uh, then again, if you want to get on the on the corny side of the street, you know, Ben gets to play his last game as a playoff game, even if he does lose by 30.
1: Mark Madden with us again, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. I'm trying to think of the angle. I'm trying to find the through line. I'm trying to do the whole thing where the second time around, things will be different in Kansas City. I I can't find it, Mark.
2: No, if anything, it'll be worse. The Chiefs are healthier, right? Uh,
1: Yeah, well, actually, ironically, three of the guys that were mentioned by Andy Reid as far as injuries, Tyreek Hill with a heel, and um, Travis Kelsey got dinged up towards the end of that Denver game, although he said he was going to be fine, at least Reid did. And then uh, Darrell Williams, or Darrell Williams, who got hurt towards the end of the game the first time. So it's the three same three guys again, but uh, I didn't get the impression from Reed, at least he was not letting on anything, that those guys would be in bad shape for the Sunday night game against the Steelers. Yeah,
2: and Tim, don't get me wrong. It's good that the Steelers made the playoffs just because you make the playoffs. Then again, it's not. I, I keep going back and forth because now they're going to talk to themselves into believing they're close and they won't make the moves this offseason they need to. I... I don't know. This was just so crazy. I'm going crazy. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to think.
1: Well, I think, Mark, when, you know, you, you get to organize your thoughts as I'm organizing mine right now during this podcast and will for the next 12 hours, I'm sure, uh, before we do Madden Ben's unfiltered, yeah, it's always good that you make the playoffs. I mean, you don't do this to not make the playoffs. It's not like, you know, people are saying, well, they, what they should do is lose on purpose, then they better their draft position. Why? So what? They they stay at 17 and get Jarvis Jones again? No,
2: no, no. I mean uh, that that's what I mean. You know,
1: you're glad they made the playoffs, but it just doesn't lead to anything
2: good. It's an extra week of football, and that's good. But that's that's about the only tangible gain because they're not going to win the game, and they're certainly not going to win the Super Bowl.
1: That's just it, Mark. Because it's never been about you know judging this recent struggling run of five years for the Steelers based on making the playoffs they've made the playoffs three out of the five years it's just not winning a playoff game and you
2: see i don't think the steelers are any good still okay i don't think making the playoffs confirms that uh they still haven't beat a good team having a good day they beat good teams having bad days they've beaten bad teams because i think that the ravens are a bad team this year they certainly were a bad team today without lamar jackson so it, it's, you know, it just flatters to deceive, is what it does. But, you know, if people are happy, I guess I should be happy. I get told that uh, as soon as the Steeler game ended, and I put it up the folly in making the playoffs. Why can't you just be happy? Okay, I'm happy. Does that make you happy? I'm happy.
1: I can't believe the Colts lost that game.
2: Well, you know, that might have been the nail in Carson Lentz's career coffin. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess they'll bring him back next year. But to play that bad in a game like that against a team that bad is just unbelievable.
1: What does this do, at least for Ben Roethlisberger going out, Mark? He made an allusion to that before, you know, him going out uh, at least in the postseason for his last game, <laughs> even if he goes out in a stretcher, which is entirely possible. I think he replace
2: Carson Wentz in Indianapolis next year. Uh, and Wentz was the go. What, two turnovers that led to 10 points? He got sacked six times, which ain't all his fault. But I give Ben credit, man. He don't play good until he absolutely has to. And then he don't play great, but he plays good enough. I mean, he he passed for, I think, over 100 yards total on the two drives that won the game, the, the touchdown drive in the fourth quarter and the field goal drive in overtime. And that's not great, but he, he got the job done. And I will say this about Ben, even now. His arm fails him. His mobility fails him. But his heart and his balls don't fail him. He has the heart of the line, balls the size of grapefruits. When the game's on the line, he still exudes that aura, and you still believe in him. The fans believe, the players believe, even the other team kind of flinches. So that I still give him credit for. That's all he has left, but it got him nine wins this year. What
1: would you think of the Kevin Colbert news?
2: Not surprising, and I think he's been so neutered in terms of the power that I believe a GM should have that it really doesn't matter. I think Tomlin has had final say on personnel decisions for years, including the draft. That's the one place where it doesn't make sense for coach to have final say is in the draft because he's done none of the work. But Tomlin goes in there, just usurps the authority and takes picks. Like, I have often been told that he just said, look, we're taking Artie Burns with that first round pick, despite, you know, the GM and and Scott saying otherwise. Although Tomlin did that too with the Alonzo Jackson pick. I think that it was in what – 2003. You mean Cowher? Yeah,
1: Cowher did that with Jackson. Oh, that's right, with yeah. Alonzo
2: Jackson. So, you know, it. It. I'm disappointed, but I think Kevin did a great job, and I think the more authority he had, the better job he did. I thought in the early days of the Tomlin era were some of his best drafts, where Tomlin clearly didn't have that kind of sway then. I think
1: Colbert and his staff do a lot of the legwork, do a lot of the prep, do a lot of the homework, and then bring it to Tomlin, make suggestions kind of you know trim the fat well, that, but Tim, that, that's still ridiculous I mean Tom was done none of the prep and then
2: you just hand it to him at the end and say what do you want to do that that's just ridiculous
1: well if you're worried about it now imagine what it's going to be when Colbert's gone and that's a guy who... oh, Tim, I didn't care about it then I didn't don't care about
2: it now and I won't care about it in the future well the I beer... mean that's just that's just how it is and I disagree with it I disagree with their philosophy on who gets final say
1: let me rephrase that. I'll say, if you think it was a problem then, imagine what it's going to be now, whether it's Brandon Hunt or uh, Omar Khan or maybe a split. But here's where I think something could get sticky, Mark. You might be getting into these, one of these situations, or they might be getting into one of these situations, rather, where they're getting a lot of cooks in the room. Like, you could see Omar— No, Tim, they always have that. I think Art Rooney II has undue influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think Art Rooney Jr. could find this rectum
2: with a funnel— when it comes to actual football knowledge, and he has input on football, no question.
1: I ran a little web poll, Mark, before we went on the pregame show today um, about what the Steelers will do a quarterback next year, and I think it was about 60 to 65% of the respondents in Mason Rudolph next season. So I think even the citizens, I don't want to say they're warming to the concept, but they're bracing themselves for it. How about that?
2: Well, I think they're finally being realistic because that's what's going to happen. It's been preordained. It was always going to happen. What, what, what this win today does, though, and make it to playoffs, it really consolidates Tomlin's power. There, there's no question, because look at what he does now, Tim. He's a megalomaniac. He's the head coach. He's the de facto GM. He's the de facto defensive coordinator. He does all that.
1: Well, the other thing it does now, Mark, is if, let's say, for instance, they do get blown out by the Chiefs, like we think that, they, that will be the case, um, and now it is five years without a playoff Tim, victory. if they don't Get blown out by
2: the Chiefs, if it 's even relatively close, they'll be seen as close to breaking through even without even yeah. without Ben
1: if they don't get a playoff victory this season, five in a row first time since the Immaculate Reception, you look at that and then you look at tomlin there's no one else to defray the blame to then you can 't just put it on Colbert because he'll be gone you can't put it on Ben because he'll be gone. Going into next year, like you said, he's consolidated all the power. He's also put the spotlight squarely on him. It can't be defrayed anymore.
2: Tim, that's what happens when you consolidate the power. Mm-hmm. Yes. I I, I would blame Brady because he can't do crap by himself.
1: <laughs> How about Brady was so good today even made Lev Bell look good.
2: Well, I think Antonio Brown, by ripping Brady after he left, finished off any remote chance he had of getting a job somewhere else because I think his best shot would be if a quarterback with a lot of stroke like Aaron Rodgers or a head coach with a lot of stroke like Andy Reid would say okay I can control this guy but Brady couldn't control him and in the end Brown stabbed Brady in the back Uh, criticized him that's like criticizing Don Corleone, Tim I think AB did himself no favors with that interview
1: I wonder if uh, Todd Haley will be tempted to bring him back with the Tampa Bay Bandits and keep him in Tampa well, you saw, you saw that story that allegedly uh, allegedly Haley texted AB. I, I wouldn't be surprised they got along so fine. No, AB talked about that in that interview.
2: He said, "I ain't going to play for no effing minor league or something like that."
1: I, well, then you ain't playing because I think you're right, Mark. He's not going anywhere in the NFL. I
2: think he might know he's not playing, and I think he might figure he has something up his sleeve. I, I don't know what rapping or whatever else he thinks he could possibly do, but but he, he just he's a lunatic. is what he is.
1: Finally, Mark, Penguins finally lose. Winning streak over. Uh, Impressed with what they did to get there. Uh, Again, the COVID stuff comes up. I wonder if they win that game if they don't get the late changes to their lineup.
2: I don't think it matters that much, Tim. The big thing is that they just ran out of gas. Uh, And and I think not having them again in Ross because of COVID and only dressing 11 forwards hurt. But they played three games in less than four days. With that you know, uh, early puck drop on the Saturday afternoon, that was three games in less than four days, and they still almost won it. So I don't see this as a sign that they're going to hit a bad streak now, although it's always tough to go out west. But, but I just think they were due to lose a game, and the circumstances made it that game.
1: Uh, do you think this is the easy way to get Malkin into the lineup now after the loss? Does he come back against Anaheim?
2: I don't think that would have affected them at all in terms of when he plays, I think when he's ready, he's ready. Tim, one, one thing I want to note about the Steeler game before we wrap it up: mm-hmm. I give Chris Boswell a lot of credit. Oh, he was nailed. Because that that last kick, if you miss that, they hate you forever. The fans.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: They hate you forever. Doesn't matter what he's done in the past, they hate you forever if you miss that kick. And I have to give Ray Ray McCloud credit too, of all friggin' people, because he made that fourth down catch, and. He had, I don't know about statistically, but at a glance, he had his best day returning kicks for the Steelers. So, you know, it, it takes a village to raise a child. It took a scrub like Ray-Ray McLeod to make sure the Steelers somehow squeaked into the playoffs. I'm giddy, Tim. I'm not giddy because I, I'm glad they made it. I'm giddy because today was a hell of a day.
1: It was theater. And you got to give credit to Najee Harris, too. One-armed Najee Harris makes that one-hand catch, or maybe it's a pick six the other way in overtime from Ben, he was gutty, and boy, that run from him at the end, without the ability to stiff-arm even, I give that kid a lot of credit, too. No
2: question. No question. He hung in there and helped win the game and did nothing till
1: that run, but that run was huge. Come to think of it, Mark, should they just get rid of ties and do what they do in college?
2: Uh, I've always liked that tie-breaking system.
1: This is the best argument that we've seen yet evidence as to why they should do it.
2: Although, this is the best document to keep it the way it is. <laughs> and by the way, Tim, in the third round of the FA Cup, Liverpool FC3, Shrewsbury Town one. from, I believe, they're in the Double A League.
1: Where well, you can bet on a tie in soccer, correct?
2: I have. <laughs> I, I won pretty big on uh, Italy and England tied after regulation, after extra time, rather, going into penalty kicks uh, in the uh, European Championships final. One... Uh, Won 1500 bucks, 500 bucks a three-to-one odds for the draw.
1: Well, didn't you uh, have, like, some inside information once when you went to Anfield and you saw all the jerseys that were not dressed by some of the stars? Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. No, and actually, I think, I actually took my bet 300 I won 900 at, okay. you know, off the back of three-to-one. Yeah, the first time I went to Anfield, I did the tour of the stadium. I went to the locker room, and Robbie Fowler, who was suspended for uh, uh, an argument with the assistant coach, Phil Thompson, um. He was suspended by the club, and I was in the locker room, and they had the jerseys hung up for this uh, Champions League uh, preliminary round match against FC Haka from Finland, who were terrible. And I asked the lady in a tour, is this the starting lineup for tonight? And she said, yeah. And I go, are you sure? And she said, yeah. And Robbie Fowler's jersey was hung up, which means he wasn't suspended, which means I knew that nobody did. So I went out and bet, I think it was 100 pounds or 200 pounds, I forget what, and it might have been more than that because I had no concept of how much a pound was worth then. I bet some amount on Robbie Fowler, 13 13-2 to score the first goal. And he didn't. It paid for the whole trip.
1: Mark Madden, you can listen to him Monday through Friday on 105.9 The X. Check him out here on the podcast weekly, Breakfast with Benz. And you can watch us for Madden Benz Unfiltered. Uh, we will all try to come to our senses by the time 9.30 in the morning rolls around. And that'll be on the Facebook live stream. So watch us there. Tim, Tim, by the way,
2: I, I, I adapted a song for that occasion. Go right ahead. When the ball's in the net, it's a pretty good tip that it's Fowler. Robbie Fowler. And then off the board, if you get the right tip, it can pay for your trip. Oh, it's Fowler.
1: Oh, my God. Bob Saget died. Yeah, you just find that out now. Yeah, well, I thought I, I saw him trending. I just thought he said something inappropriate.
2: And that's why he's a man to remember, Tim. Bob Saget, RIP. He's an original, funny, but as, as belies his uh, full house persona, totally inappropriate, just out of his mind.
1: Mark Madden, he is on Monday through Friday, 105.9 The X. Listen there, Madden Ben's unfiltered, 9.30 in the morning. This is the Madden Monday podcast brought to you by Bett Rivers.
0: if you dare.